and we're back. Welcome back to the Scope Creepers podcast. Um, I'm Pedro. I'm Christian. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's uh, good to be back. Yes, it is. It's been a while. It's been a while. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. We we took some uh, vacation, but now we're back, and hopefully we've been task switching. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, which brings us to today's episode: task switching. Uh, exactly. I'm gonna save everybody 15 minutes and just say, "Don't do it," because then your episodes, the episodes of your podcasts, become quite spaced between each other. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Only do one thing at a time. Well, it's kind of difficult, but it is a huge issue. And I think yeah. if I may jump in and do my perspective as a project manager. Um, I think it's uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a challenge because I know that productivity falls with development team when we have a lot of task switching going on. I've even been working in an environment where uh, all trust was totally gone from the development team and the stakeholders, and the result was that you would book a developer in fifteen minute slots. Um, uh, a month in advance. <laughs> For what? It's yes, it's true. You would have like a, a, a resource management system and you would say, oh, I can book this developer for one and a half hour uh, on the 25th of January uh, to do this task. And um, of course, since the estimates were, well, estimates and not promises, <laughs> this whole system was one huge unmitigated disaster. Um. <laughs> but I mean, did, did anyone actually book a slot of 15 minutes? Yes, yes. What yes. can you do in 15 minutes? <laughs> Switch tasks. That's basically it. <laughs> and then you switch yeah. a task and then you just, okay, bye. See you in the next Done. 15 minutes. Exactly. And I mean, the problem is the problem is the amount of overhead. The amount of overhead is um, incredible, right? Um the amount of overhead that you're spending on switching tasks can grow rapidly. In in the agile, scaled agile discipline called SAFE, we've got the thing about setting a whip limit. We do the same thing in Nexus. Have you heard about the concept of a whip limit? No. It's called the work in progress limit, a WIP. The idea is that you can only have so many things that you're switching in between at the same time. One thing is, of course, mental focus. Uh, I mean, just getting in the zone and getting focused on a specific task. But another thing is that, you, that when you're switching between, let's say, 10 or 20 things, you're actually getting absolutely nothing achieved at all, right? Uh, the, the problem is that many stakeholders believe that they feel, get a feeling of progress if they know that their task is in the general pipeline being worked on right yeah. then something is happening i don't have to wait for three days before my task gets worked on mm -hmm. how do you so, how do you avoid that then Maybe. how do you avoid it well as, as as always if you're working in an agile setting the only way to get trust is to earn it right is mm -hmm. to to deliver stuff so so i think uh you got to eat the elephant in small pieces. If you're in a situation where there's absolutely no trust between stakeholders and development team, you need to 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 chip away at the micromanagement uh, a small bit at a time and deliver some stuff. And once you've shown that you can actually deliver stuff in the time slot that you've promised, 
then you'll get more and more uh, space to do your thing and more and more space to become a self-organizing team uh, and more and more space to actually make your own estimates and your estimates will be to a certain extent respected. Mm. Uh, we've talked about estimates before and they're anything from a guess to a, a solemn oath to some people. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think you have to chip away at mistrust uh, once bit at a time. You can't expect a very mistrustful management to suddenly trust the development team to make good estimates and to deliver stuff. And mm -hmm. you can't expect a development team to suddenly start trusting a management that has been chaotic. Mm -hmm. um, so it has to be slow approach from both directions into a space where they both trust each other that you will deliver what you're saying and then you can do the things you want to do in your own way. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but do you have any way of signaling um, I'm in the zone? For example, uh, I think one of the most common things for developers to do to to, to tell people uh, that they are in the zone it's by some headphones, some headset. Ah, um, the headphone rule, yes. Yes. Uh, do you have anything like that? Because you can't really put your headphones on and just okay, I'm on my own. I guess. I mean, I'm, I've I've when I walk into a development uh, office space and I see ten people sitting on with their headphones. It's kind of weird because it means that they're they're recreating the uh, solitary confinement of the single office that also had some huge benefits like the ability to concentrate on something, right? Mm. Uh, it's gone today in an open office space. Everybody is being constantly assaulted by noise and and interruptions and stuff. And the headphone mm. rule that says don't bother me when I'm wearing a headphone set of headphones is is kind of useful in many ways but it also means that you could go to work put on your headphones all day and go home and have no interaction with other people and mm -hmm. that's also a problem right because you need to yeah. be a part of a team and you need to be part of a team effort so i think the uh, using uh, headphones as a physical defense against an evil world is okay but if it if it um, becomes the default if it becomes the standard then we have a problem mm. Um, but I want to, I think, uh, coming, uh, going back a bit, um, I think, uh, from what you said, it comes down to actually a level of trust between the project manager and pretty much everybody else. So that if this trust is achieved right from the get go, or at least in the beginning, then you have some peace of mind to have longer or less task switching and longer times for a specific task, right? Yes, exactly. Because Having a, a t having a lot of tasks on your list, the switching between, is a sign that a lot of people have an interest in getting a feeling that somebody is working a little bit on their stuff, right? Mm. And then, then somebody has not been fending them off. The, the product owner or the scrum master has not been doing their job and keeping the stakeholders at bay. If you find yourself switching in between 10 or 20 different tasks during a day, during a week, then somebody else is not doing their job. It's not. But what if the developer is the stakeholder in this case? Well, not the stakeholder, but it's the person who, who says, hey, Christian, I have something. I need help with something. Does that count as task switching? Because you, you, you're probably doing something else, right? No, what I'm I mean, talking about is like is changing your mindset from solving one problem to solving another problem, right? Something completely yeah. different, okay. Uh, let's say you're working on a front-end task, you're doing an authentication page, uh, and mm -hmm. and you have to switch to doing um, uh, an e-commerce page, right? 
Um, yeah. Say you're working on uh, the cart, the shopping cart functionality. And the next thing you're doing uh-huh. is you uh, have to work with some uh, uh, MailChimp integration or something like that. So you're changing from a different world. Maybe you're even switching between different technologies, maybe even to different uh-huh. stacks or different integrations that you are working against and that takes time mm-hmm. it takes you can't just reset your mind right I, I'm, I'm speaking to the preaching to the choir here i know that <laughs> but but the point is uh-huh. i mean switching from one api to another or thinking about one different kind of use case and another one is not it's not just a matter of of uh, changing a template and then working on you have to to reset your mind to a certain extent. Um, so yeah. I think task switching is, is, is very destructive. And if you you can avoid it, it's a good thing. I think having people work on actually only one thing most of the time and then another thing is a very simple and very proven way of getting high productivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to pick up on the part that you said it takes a lot of time to task switch. Yeah. And um, I uh, when I was in a company, there was a developer who actually told me that... Uh, uh, it takes uh, 15 minutes, and I never forgot about that. It takes 15 minutes to um, go out of mm-hmm. the zone. So if, if if I'm, for instance, if I'm developing, and someone comes with a question that is most probably not even related mm-hmm. to what I'm doing at that moment, um, it takes uh, a developer in in average 15 minutes to completely get out, and then 15 minutes to get in again. Um, and then I googled a bit. There was some other articles, uh, one called, um, it's in a website called Fast Company, and then it says the cost of task switching where uh, the University of California, um, they did some research and they came to the conclusion that, uh, scrolling to get the right numbers, they, they, I'm just going to quote, we found about 82% of all interrupted work is resumed on the same day. But here's the bad news. It takes an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back to the task. So um, I guess it includes the 15 minutes going out and seven minutes coming in. Um, but it's still a lot of time to <laughs> to, uh, to 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 do something else, right? It's, it's a lot of time that you lose uh, uh, from, from a developer perspective. Personally, I proactively try to not multitask. I... I um, um, yeah. I force myself to do one thing at a time. For example, if I'm talking with someone or if I'm coding a specific thing, my 100% of my attention is drawn to that. And I try to uh, remove all other interruptions. And that means, yes, I need to wear the headphones. I need to disable notifications on my on my machine, all that jazz, so that I can only do that. And I really get um, affected by uh, interruptions, um, especially if I then need to okay. code so, something else because fire is uh, happening and uh, need to fix something. Yeah, so. yeah. So, so you, I mean, I mean, interruptions in general is very much a part of a our time, the mm-hmm. the, the working culture of our time, right? Do you do you know do you know the uh, remember the the, the <laughs> no. smartphone lunch? Uh, okay, you can. So if when you go to lunch with somebody, everybody puts their smartphones in a big pile on the table, and the first person to pick up their phone <laughs> okay. pays the bill. Cool. Right? Um, that's that's a, that's a technique, <laughs> right? Um, I think that's that's definitely a technique. But um, it is um, it it is a hard thing to do. I still can't really uh, uh, deal with this 
um, it 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 really it really affects me uh, when when I'm interrupted, and um, it also takes me a lot of time to go to the mode of now I need to answer this, which is something completely related. So it is aff- affecting definitely. I try to uh, another thing that I try to do is I try to uh, uh, to to avoid um, working on completely different tasks throughout the same day. So I'll group the tasks that are either small yep. and I, there's no there's, there's no I don't need a lot of brain power to do so. So I'll just group them and then just do Overrated. it uh, uh, maybe the next day in the morning where I'm still like the coffee is still kicking in and all that jazz. And then uh, take uh, the heavier tasks through the middle part of the day and then close it down with some simple tasks. And that usually helps personally. It helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. I think uh, okay. I think we are on the same page on this task switching. Nobody likes to do that. Nobody likes to be interrupted. Um, no, but we, we still have to look at the fact why are we doing it? Why are organizations still insisting on people switching tasks yeah. all the time? I, I th- think that's a challenge for the project management point of view and the stakeholder yeah. management point of view is to, get, to persuade people that uh, you're mm-hmm. actually getting less out of it uh, if you are trying to cram more stuff into mm-hmm. people's consciousness yeah. at the same time. Then we have, when we, just to give context to the people that are listening, Christian and I used to work together. Um, and I'm going to ask Christian, when when we worked, didn't we have a, a specific period of everybody's available to be interrupted or something like that? Didn't we have something like that? Um, maybe I'm... I think we had the um, <laughs> the opposite. I think we had a, a actual doing some work period. But um, but I I don't remember yeah, exactly. It's been a while now, but I I know that I I know that I sometimes I do that or when I meet a developer or a project manager or any person at work who's expressing that yeah. he's feeling stressed. One of the pieces of advice that I sometimes do is well block your a part of your calendar for actually yeah. getting work done. I mean, if if you're in this situation, you know you can sometimes find yourself in a situation when you're working in the knowledge economy that. You go home and you ask yourself, what have I been doing today? Well, working and doing stuff, but what exactly did I do? Yeah. I have no idea because I switched between tasks and concepts and ideas and problems so many times that uh, I have no idea of what mm-hmm. I was actually achieving. Uh, that's not uh, a healthy uh, situation to be in, right? Uh, and it also is an indicator that you're trying to do too many things at the same time. You're trying and to achieve none of too them much. Are- Going to come out good, know, I think none of them are going to come out good. None of them is going to be completed. I mean, if if you're thinking about any other industry, would you expect somebody to be building a bridge and a cathedral at the same time <laughs> <laughs> and run back and forth between two different projects? Mm, no way, not, yeah. right? Would you expect somebody to do a heart surgery and a brain surgery mm. at the same time and then run back and forth between two different operations mm. theories? No, but it's. Right, it's only because it's it's something that's not important, like software. So. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it's I think it's it's hard to. Um, I mean, you, you have Slack, right? You get a notification on Slack, and then you're just you just oh, stop yes, everything. Yes. Um, so it's actually Slack is almost counterproductive. It's cool in in the sense that you okay you communicate better, but the, it would be nice to investigate how. how what is the impact on developer interruption? So a guy yes, writes but it, at it's here a general thing. or at channel yeah. and he's disturbing everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Christian, go ahead. No, I think it's a general problem because I think I think messaging applications, Slack or Stride or 
Skype or whatever we're talking about, I think has got this new problem that, um, I mean, nobody writes emails anymore, right? And nobody reads emails anymore. You don't sit down and spend the actual long two minutes to compose mm. an email. You write, yo, dude, what's up? Or mm. something like that in a Slack channel. Uh, or you post a picture of a kitten and you spam everybody yeah. with it. It's it's the same kind of behavior as what email brought us, but it's even more fragmented. It's even more micro nano attention span craving, right? So it, it increases the amount of mental task switching on the micro level. It increases the amount of stuff that you have to be thinking about all the time. So then now you have to compartmentalize your Slack time to the last 15 minutes of every hour or something. I don't know. But um, actually, some of the um, the uh, calendar apps, like uh, uh-huh. Google Calendar, which I normally uh, am the first person to hate on uh, at every possible opportunity, um, <laughs> um, has a new function that's called speedy meetings. Okay. So you book uh, half an hour, it only books 25 minutes of people's time. Uh-huh. So it leaves space for getting from one meeting to the next one and for actually reading emails and stuff. Yeah. So, um, and you can change the default from an hour to half an hour, right? As uh, in opposed to other meeting schedule uh, schedulers where, let's say Outlook, where you book an hour per default of people's time all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So, so I think, I think we have to start thinking a lot more about workplace habits and protocols, social workplace behavioral protocols when it comes to time and meetings and scheduling mm-hmm. and interaction than we ever did before. Yeah. Uh, in the old days, you had a classical Confucian or hierarchical situation where you never talked to your boss until unless spoken to, right? It was pretty easy, but it had some other drawbacks. Yes. Uh, definitely. I'm thinking uh, specifically Google Calendar will, Calendar will probably move on to the direction of having the 15-minute slots. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's where they're ending up in the end. Exactly. Um, and this and the circle has been closed. <laughs> um, cool. I think uh, I think uh, we got the gist of it. Uh, I don't know if you want to add on yeah. something or if you have any pick. I do have a pick actually. Um, it's a book that I've been reading recently, uh, both as an audio book and um, as an ebook. Uh, I'm very fascinated by the the discipline of red teaming at the moment. Red teaming is a way of uh, thinking. Um, uh, strategically, that's called contrarian analysis. Mm. So it's uh, thinking not just out of the box, but against the box. <laughs> uh, so I can recommend a book called, uh, by uh, Bryce G. Hoffman called Red Teaming, How Your Business Can Conquer the Competition by Challenging Everything. Okay, okay. Um, sounds interesting. It's very interesting. If you want to work with uh, strategic analysis, you want to think uh, differently about uh, strategy and planning. Uh, red teaming is a new and budding discipline, and it's very fascinating. Awesome. Uh, I'll probably look into that. Audible or uh, iTunes? It's on Audible. It's on Amazon. It's all over the place. Awesome. What about you? Any picks? Uh, I have one pick. Um, this week or last week or uh, two weeks ago, the new version of Firefox. And I yeah, that's sold. cool. I am definitely. I use Chrome for yeah. development. And I use Firefox for browsing the internet because it, it's it's abysmal difference in rendering pages and, and everything. Um, it's just it's, it's it looks 
it feels complete um, for a browser, yeah. in my opinion. I haven't really tested the developer tools and whatnot because of, yeah, I use Chrome for, for development. But I, mm-hmm. I will dive into that I, because I think they also spend some time uh, redoing the, the developers. But I think it's a yeah. really fast browser. It is. I mean, I've been a Firefox holdout for the last three or five years. You know, it's an old guy browser in the old days. Yeah. But suddenly I'm hip because <laughs> I've been using Firefox for the last three to five years. It's really cool. I think they really made a huge step there. That's definitely it. Definitely, and I think there was we needed something like that. I mean, I mean, it's not it's not going to be Microsoft at least for now. That's going to compete with Chrome, and honestly, I don't think it's Safari that's going to compete with Chrome. So I think we're we're down <laughs> to Firefox uh, to bring some competition, and I think it's 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 really good that they they did that. Um, I think um, yeah, everybody in their team should be should be happy. I think that, that it's really good product. I, they thought about it. it. Looks like it. And quite stable. I haven't yet to experienced. Uh, I haven't yet experienced any web application that I'm using where it's not working in Firefox and and it is working in Chrome. Yeah. That that's been a, the experience for quite a while before this newest version. Yeah. So um, they Definitely. really changed stuff. Awesome, uh, Christian. It was awesome to yes. uh, have a record a new episode with you. Um, yes. Uh, we hopefully we're gonna be back really soon. Um, but we was... won't promise you exactly when because that would actually be a milestone, and we don't do that. <laughs> um, but cool. Uh, I'm just gonna say goodbye and uh, thanks for everybody for for listening. Um, thanks for everybody who's been listening since episode zero. So thank you and uh, see you next time. Yes. Bye.